Come on. Spending too much time on social? Is your daily screen time over two hours? Are you a little bit overweight? Not saving enough money? Any or all of these are familiar. Strive could be for you. The Strive two-week online boot camp will help you to detox your mind, body, and money, getting you on your way to a happier, healthier, wealthier, and more confident life. Go to strivedetox.com, S-T-R-I-V-E-D-E-T-O-X.com, and get your mind, body, and money right. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Graubacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, a strong and powerful Julie Kratz. Julie, are you ready to do this? I am ready. Excellent. Let's do this. Julie is the CEO and founder of Next Pivot Point. She is a certified master coach. She's the author of several books, including Lead Like an Ally. I'm excited to have you on. Julie, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, well, I am um, a speaker and a trainer focused on diversity and inclusion and gender equality in the workplace. Um, Before I started all this, I was in corporate America for 12 years, uh, leading teams, helping mentor and coach my employees and worked in all sorts of different industries and functional areas. But through that experience, I really realized that well, I myself was kind of struggling to figure out, you know, what to do in situations about how to give somebody feedback and how to have hard conversations and, you know, really how to engage people that were different than me. Because as I moved up in corporate America, it became really clear that people kind of looked the same, acted the same, behaved the same the further up you went. And I didn't see myself reflected in that and I didn't see others reflected in that. So that's really, I mean, that was a call to action for me to really pursue my purpose in my life's work. So six years ago, I started my business, Next Pivot Point, with the intention really to develop women as leaders and help them pivot their careers to the next level. Uh, but that work's evolved and it's pivoted. It pivots all the time uh, to overall diversity and inclusion and welcoming all sorts of different voices and dimensions of diversity in the workplace, but also really helping people lead inclusively and be inclusive for others. And that's what I'm most passionate about is helping people understand there are tools, there are things that you can do in the moment when things feel hard as a leader. And I know I myself experienced this uh, and it doesn't have to be so hard. So really meeting um, what I call our allies, uh, people that can be supportive of others, meeting them where they're at with tools and content and information and helping people be more motivated, and engaged in the work they do. So I'm thankful I've found work that I find deep purpose in and, and really um, is my life's work. Well, amen to that. That's uh, something that I think that a lot of us struggle with and and, and, and are working to find. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you have. We are having this conversation on May the 8th, you know, in the in the midst or the end or the beginning of, of, of Corona. Who, who, who's really to say what's 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 going on? Why is this more important perhaps now than ever, even in, in spite of this? Why? Why do we need to be focused on it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating to watch what's going on in the world right now. Because you're right. Is it the beginning? Is it the middle? The end? We don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it could be all of them. It's been a real, real roller coaster ride 2020. 
Because I can tell you, you know, if you rewind back a few months, a lot of companies, big global companies especially, were telling me diversity and inclusion is is one of our top focuses this year. We have a strategic initiative around allyship, what, what I speak to about being there for people that are different than you in the workplace. And now, as I check the temperature of those same folks, it's like we're hitting pause on that, right? Yeah. We've got other burning things going on, whether that's your furloughing folks, having to let go of people. Obviously, those are more pressing priorities to stabilize your team. Maybe pivot your industry. Either you're super busy or maybe not so busy right now. So I think the temptation is, is to hit pause right now. And I, and I understand that from a business crisis management mode. Um, but that pause button can't last too long, right? Because what we know about diversity and inclusion is that it's a journey. It's not a destination. It's not simply you can just check the boxes and show up inclusively. It's a lot of hard work and it takes a while to build up the momentum. So if we freeze that momentum now, we risk sliding back. And, and we're actually starting to see some data that suggests Unemployment numbers are much higher for minority groups and for women, especially um, that COVID um, infection rates and death rates are much higher for minorities as well. Um, And so we're seeing that these privileges that we have in society, they're sometimes invisible are becoming very magnified and visible in the corona world. Uh, so I think, <laughs> I think personally, a little biased if I am, that it is sure. important now more than ever. But I think for organizations, if you work for a company that's hitting pause right now, like a lot of the ones I'm talking to, um, the other thing I'd suggest is really thinking about core needs of your culture of the future and one that's likely to be a blend of virtual. You know, we're going to see that mix increase, you know, data showing a third to maybe 50% of work that can be done virtually will be done virtually in the future. So this is going to last. And if your culture wasn't inclusive before, you know, what, what we know about virtual work is it's, it's really going to struggle in the future. Um, if you don't have trust before, trusting people virtually is much harder, for example. Sure. And what people are telling us with my future of work study I'm working on right now is that ethical decision making is paramount going forward for the future of work. Having core values that are truly lived and embedded inside the organization and effective diversity and inclusion programs um, that really make an impact to make sure people are seen, heard and belong in the workplace. So. All that to say, yes, you might be hitting pause, but I hope that pause does not last too long because there is work to do and people believe in the importance of it long term are not going to compromise needs around diversity and inclusion. Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate all that. And I, I think that hopefully, hopefully everybody can agree that that diversity and inclusion is an important thing in today's world. It's a necessary thing in today's world. But if, if, if you were to, to, for lack of a better term, make the case of, I, I know that, that we're needing to pause and we're needing to, 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 to make sure that we're, we're, we're keeping the lights on and the doors open, but we also need to be focused on making sure that we are advancing diversity and inclusion within an organization. Yeah. What would that case be? Yeah. Yeah. There's some really good data out there from the last recession, 2008. 
and they baselined companies that had diversity and inclusion programs versus those that did not. Uh, and we can point your listeners to the study. It's remarkable research that, again, has been around for quite some time, but has recently resurfaced, sure. right? Um, and back then, 2008, you know, DNI wasn't a huge thing. So it was kind of, you know, it's much, much bigger now, the focus. Um, but they baseline companies. And over that period, 2008, 2009, 2010, when most companies shrank in size, that's what they found of the baseline kind of normal, not really doing much around DNI group. I think um, their revenue loss was about 44% over that time period. Now you compare that with companies like Salesforce and a few others that are very global, very focused on DNI in a very intentional way and have been since their inceptions. Their cultures were built around this and staying strong through that. Their revenues actually increased by 14%. So that's a huge swing, right? And and they had a, a good collective um, sample size of companies to measure. And we're seeing that now. We're seeing that um, I have a friend that's doing some research again on this future of work study. And she's baselined companies that have effective diversity inclusion programs and corporate social responsibility back to the ethical and moral decision making. And she actually has run the regression and the, you know the p-values and all you statisticians out there, all the numbers you need to justify year over year revenues increase at a much higher rate when you have these programs when you're actually diligently focused on this so um, I would say yeah temptation hit the pause button save that budget for other more you know crisis type of things um, but you're risking the the upside of diversity inclusion um, and the good folks if anybody wants a business case for this Harvard Business Review has a whole page dedicated to diversity. They just published an article today on this exact subject. And they've got reams of data that shows the business case. And just some key numbers I always share is teams that are diverse um, from a multitude of variables have 87% um, better decisions and 19% higher revenue rates. So those two numbers are very well known in the industry and Harvard's reported on them. McKinsey and company has reported, um, on gender and, um, ethnic, um, dimensions of diversity, you know, 20 to 40% higher profitability rates. And these have been around for years, these studies. So yeah, you, you might think it's not important, or you might think, hey, this long-term investment will start to pay some dividends, whether it's revenue growth that you want or an investment return that you're looking for. Um, but happy employees just produce better work and make clients happy. And keeping your employees happy and motivated right now, I, I don't know of any company that's not struggling with that. Yeah, well, I certainly appreciate that. Hard to argue with uh, with data from from organizations like Harvard Business Review and McKinsey. Um, so just to, to really try to boil this down for me, why is that 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 organizations that are more diverse and inclusive have better results? Is it that we get just ideas from different people in for for, 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 for for more people that are working on 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 a problem and then providing additional solutions that maybe if it's the same kind of person you you wouldn't be getting yeah yeah i mean that's that's true anecdotally i mean that's a, a good example of a micro case for diversity you know essentially a lot of times when i'm speaking i kind of draw out this <laughs> correlation you know if you you think about diversity at the beginning 
of, uh, you know, a, a causation sequence or a correlation sequence rather. Uh, and there's different dimensions of diversity. So for your listeners, you know, everyone defines this a bit differently. There is no one definition, but I generally say gender, race, ethnicity, sexual orientation, abilities, those, those tend to be the, the big five that people identify as dimensions of diversity. So if you have all sorts of genders on your team, all sorts of ethnicities on your team, all sorts of um, abilities on your team, the idea is, is that you're going to be more representative likely of your customer base. And and that's really where the work starts is who are who do you want to serve in your community? Who do you want to be your ideal customer? What do they look like? What do they think like? What do they behave like? What are their lived experiences like? How are you reflecting that inside your organization? Okay. And having teams that reflect that is key. And not just the front lines, which companies actually do a pretty decent job of. It's as you move up in the organization. So we know the data starts to trail off at the middle manager, go up to the upper ranks, the C-suite, the board, et cetera, usually 80% white male. Most companies don't do business with 80% white male. So that, that's a problem, right? You're not mirroring your customer base. That's where I always like to start is diversity on a team. If you get those different dimensions represented, you're just going to be more representative of your customer. So that at the core, that's why. But what we know, and to your point, is it leads to better ideas. So when you have diversity on a team, you probably experience this. I remember experiencing this in grad school. <laughs> they orchestrated diversity. <laughs> there was an American, there was an Asian, there was usually somebody, you know, different genders. You know, it was forced diversity, sure. <laughs> and it worked. And while it strung, you struggled sometimes to make decisions, it took a little longer, the decisions that you would make were much, much better. Right. So you had a richness, a deep pool of ideas and a vetting process where you challenged each other that then those ideas spur better decisions. So when you have better ideas, more robust ideas, more ideas that are reflective of your customer base, you're going to have better decisions back to that 87 percent number that we know. So that leads to better innovation. Right. So if you have more innovation, right, being a market leader, getting those early gains on your products and services, and the loyalty from your customer base, then we know the higher revenue rates, then we know the higher profitability rate. So all these things, you know, can imagine a whiteboard with diversity equals better decisions, equals better ideas, equals better innovation, equals more revenue, equals more profitability. And these things have been measured again and studied over time in different industries, functional areas. Um, and it holds true nearly all of the time. But it's a journey. Again, all those things, checking, you know, making the, all those things happen, uh, it takes time and it's hard. And I think that's why, you know, let's hit the pause button can be a tempting thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. It takes time. It is hard. I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess I appreciate that, but I, I understand what you're saying. Is, is, is there anything that, that as you look at, at the entire landscape of, of corporate America, for for lack of a better term, that just drives you crazy when when, <laughs> when, when, when it comes to diversity and inclusion. You're like, oh, really? You're, you're, you're How long is your again. podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I joke because in my 12 years I served in corporate America. I even now, you know, as a speaker and a trainer, coronavirus has not been kind to my business. Right. Sure. So. Thinking about going back to corporate America gives me like real anxiety <laughs> because there's so many things that 
I just don't see that I can't believe having been out of it for six years haven't changed. I just cannot believe that people continue to go to work just for paychecks. Mm. I mean, we know two thirds of people show up at work for a paycheck. I mean, what a grim kind of existence going through the motions for something you don't really find purpose in what you do. So yes, corporate America has a slew of opportunities and and a lot of cleanup work to do right now. So I know HR people are being overtasked with a ton of things um, with coronavirus, but what an interesting opportunity to reset and pivot forward positively. If there were things about our culture that weren't working before for us, those have been magnified. Let's do some hard work about solving for these issues. So kind of if I were just to stick with the top three for the, the essence of time here, I think one, um, really making sure that your CEO and C-suite are messaging a consistent message like they are having a consistent thoughtful message that we care about employees and not just saying it but doing it Um, I know of companies right now that are opening up the phone lines every single day with their CEO for 15 minutes to ask them anything ask them anything I shouldn't have said him (laughs) but usually usually it's him 95% of the time but (laughs) just saying sure Ask, ask them anything and, and what what transparency can come from that. Because even if you think it's safer not to field those questions because you don't want to you know, get you not have the right answer, not know what people are going to say, people are thinking it already. So it's such a relief, I think, sometimes for people to vent and ask those tough questions. And even if the answer is we don't know, you know, that's OK. But give people that transparency and, and real time communication method. And there's never been a better time to do that. And technology can help with that so much. That's that's one, um, I think, thing that organizations need to think about. Leaders need to think about with their teams Two, There's never been a better time to work on trust with your team. And the best vehicle to trust is being vulnerable. I, I talk a lot about this and my allyship work and teaching people to lead inclusively, you know, saying, I don't know, saying, um, admitting when we make mistakes, not playing the blame game or the excuse game. No one likes that. Everyone knows you're fibbing. Um, admit your weaknesses, like just own up to them and your failures as an opportunity to move forward. So being a real human being at work, there has mm. never been a better time to honor people as real people. I can't tell how many people have told me on zoom calls. They, they didn't even know their coworker had a spouse or you know, a kid and it's like wow like we were spending all these time together didn't even know each other that's sad why did it take a pandemic to get to know each other as humans like can we build that thread through I think leading vulnerably and just being a, your real human self candidly is, is a great way to continue that to sustain that going forward um and then the third piece I would just say Honoring people and meeting people where they're at. Um, most companies I'm talking to, most clients I'm talking to, myself included, are struggling with just day-to-day motivation. The days are blurring together. It's a lot of the same. <laughs> you know, Zoom fatigue is a real thing. Sure. So dialing into what what gives you energy. You know, what's happening? What was happening on your best days? What are the activities that you can really be doing? So I think it's now a calling for some self-reflection and perhaps pivoting roles. You know, some companies are actually doing kind of like an internal job board because jobs have changed so much and some jobs are overwhelmed and some aren't. So you can like sign up for a project in a totally different part of the company, almost like a contractor. 
I mean, what a cool concept. Why weren't we doing that before? Yeah, like, great. why did you have to like show up and do this job for eight <laughs> hours and, you know, stamp the stamp, even though no one needs it? Like, this is a real opportunity for disruptive change. And that I see in the model of the future and trusting people to work from home virtually. is just, it's a good thing for diversity too. Thinking about the talent pool, it gets so much bigger if they don't have to be within a 30 mile radius of your office. No kidding. It's just, it's a good thing. So there's some good things that are going to come out of this. And I think companies that have clear communication, they're building trust and really getting people dialed in to their purposes and their unique values at work can, can really, we'll, we'll see a really nice side, other side of this. I love it. Love it. Well, Julie, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? Oh, wow. So the thing I'd love to leave listeners with, if this conversation resonated with you, and maybe, you know, this is a bit of a different one for your podcast, I know. If you haven't thought about diversity and inclusion, for example, or haven't thought about, wow, there's all these benefits on the side of it. And people always ask me, like, what's one thing I can do? Okay, cool. I want this. I want to be involved. I want to be an ally. I want to be there for people that are different than me. Um, one thing that you can do very tangibly, and this is a really nice time to do it, take an inventory of your network. Okay. And I did this a few years ago and I didn't like what it looked like. So it's a bit of a vulnerable exercise, but you don't have to tell anybody if you don't want to (laughs) just write down the top five people that you spend time with outside of your immediate family. Okay. So not the people that you have to spend time with, the people that you choose to spend time with. So this could be coworkers, it could be friends, those could be mentors, you know, whatever. And shot them down on a piece of paper. And then reflect on kind of the key dimensions, um, their genders, their races, their backgrounds, their education level, their socioeconomic status, maybe their parenting status, whatever's important to you and important to them as a human. And then I challenge you to look at how different they are from you and from each other. And if you're like me, a few years ago, they were just like me. They were white, they were female, they were business owners, and they were mothers. And while I like to surround myself with people like me, I wasn't learning as much from people just like me. So I challenge your listeners, take an inventory. If, if you find yourself in the same boat I did, broaden it. Look for experiences to get to know people that are different than you. And that just sets the wheels in motion for all of the things we talked about today. So that's one baby. One one thing you can do is just reach out to people, spend time in communities that are different than you. Ask people that are different than you, who do you know that I should be talking to? And you just find your network becomes so much more robust. You learn so much more. You become a better version of you by getting to know people that are different than you. But human tendency we gravitate towards people like us so if, if your inventory looks like you thinks like you behaves like you you're not alone uh, but what a great opportunity to, to pivot that going forward well that is great stuff that definitely gets come on come on jennifer thank or julie jennifer <laughs> it's <laughs> it's early in the morning here folks I think that that's such valuable. I think that that's such a valuable exercise right there. And the only way that you know the answer to that question is if you actually ask yourself that question. So going through mm-hmm. it and really putting pen to paper or however you can complete it, um, I think that that's such a valuable thing right there. So I appreciate that very much. Julie, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Yeah, well, I try to keep it easy for people. So everything is branded next 
Pivot Point. So that's my website, nextpivotpoint.com. Those are my social handles on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Post regularly there. So if you like the data and I'm always doing HBR focuses <laughs> with a, the business case on diversity. So you can follow me, Next Pivot Point. Uh, and then LinkedIn, um, I post daily articles and videos and ideas um, to sustain um, that inclusive leadership journey. And you can find me there, Julie Kratz, K-R-A-T-Z. So I'd love to connect with you and uh, follow your work as well. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Julie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to nextpivotpoint.com. Find her on social media as well. I'll list all of those in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Julie. Thank you. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.